So we're in the middle of learning the topic of Dira B'tachtoinim. And the mechanism by which we transform the entire world into a Dira for Hashem. <coughs> and the way Dr. Rebbe explained it in the previous weeks is that we start with being Maila, our own Nefesh Yunus, our own Nefesh Bahamas, our own uh, animal soul, animating soul. And every single one of us then, we have a Chilag Ba'ilam, we have a portion in the world, and when we elevate our Nefesh Yunus, we drag along with it, and we take along also our entire Chalke Ba'ilam. But it all starts with being Maila, our Nefesh Yunus, being Maila, our Nefesh Bahamas, which if you recall, that's why the Alter Rebbe said in the beginning of the Perik, towards the beginning of the Perik, talked about the idea of that when you learn, and when you're Davin, it's not enough to, uh, it's for sure, it's definitely not enough to think the words, you have to actually express them with your mouth, because the movement of the lips, that's considered a Maisa, that involves the Nefesh Achiyunas, but more than that, the more energy that you put into your davening, the more energy you put into your learning. So all that energy, that is energy of your nefesh achayunas, energy of your nefesh abahamis, of your animating soul, which is now being elevated to Kedusha. And the whole dira b'tachtoinim is dependent on you, the whole uh, realization of Hashem's desire, which is to have a world which is a world of Kedusha, a world of dira b'tachtoinim, that starts with elevating one's nefesh achayunas to Hashem. We're going to start again, page 96. It's run ha- uh, almost halfway down the top of the page, and the first words on the line is Ubezay Yuvan, and that's where we're starting. Ubezay Yuvan, with this we'll understand. Why? Our sages spoke so, so highly regarding how important, how great Sadaka is. And they said, They said that Sadaka is the equivalent of all the mitzvahs. If you put it on a scale, all the mitzvahs, tzedakah, is the equivalent of them all. That's why it said that Tzimimavet. Doesn't say Talmud Torah, Kinegekulam. How does you reconcile that? That's Bavli, it's Yishalmi. Says it. It's Purim Torah, that's Purim Torah. Talmud Torah, Kinegekulam is a Mishnah. So Yishalmi can't argue on the Mishnah. Ruven, I can always count on you to. Uh, what? I can always count on you to say what the next question is going to be. If you look on page Memtas, three lines from the top, what are the words over there? Well, Al is going to ask that, but right, we'll deal with that when the time comes. Right now, we're dealing with Zadok. Questions. I always forget my question. That's the problem. Wow. I, have to, I have to ask it immediately, otherwise I forget. But that's why all these classes are on video. You can always go and look at it in the video and see your question that you asked. And remind yourself. <laughs> Then <coughs> it's too late to ask you. So, the Gemara says in Baba Basra, the Gemara says that the tzedakah shkula keneged kol mitzvahs. That the Gemara that uh, tzedakah is the equivalent of all the mitzvahs in the Bavli of Baba Basra. Okay. <laughs> and moreover, bechol Talmud Yerushalmi and the entire Talmud Yerushalmi he nikras b'shem mitzvah stam. When it wants to talk about tzedakah, it doesn't even say tzedakah; it just says mitzvah. Mitzvah Whenever it says the word mitzvah, you know it's talking about tzedakah. Because that is the mitzvah. That's the way they used to speak. That was the 
vernacular, likri tzedakah b'shem mitzvah stam. They call tzedakah by the name of mitzvah. Because it is the, the ideal mitzvah, the prototypical mitzvah. So why is it? Why is it that tzedakah, shkula, connected to mitzvah, is that tzedakah is the equivalent of all the mitzvahs? It's one of those statements that we don't have to... You don't have to work too hard to explain. More people have a problem with Talmud Torah connected to Kulam than Tzedakah, Shkula, connected to Kulam Mitzvah. So you go out in the world, Tzedakah, it's equal, equivalent of all the mitzvahs, everyone's going to shake their head. Yeah, yeah, of course, Tzedakah. Very important, helping someone else. If you can go tell someone Talmud Torah connected to Kulam that Torah is the equivalent of everything that they, they already have an issue with. I'm, I don't mean here in Flatbush, I'm talking about in the, in the wider world. <coughs> But why Taka is Tzedakah the equivalent of all the mitzvahs? It's much easier to give Tzedakah than do all the mitzvahs. So first of all, you're saying it's much easier. I'm going to take issue with that in a moment. But besides for that, when we say that it's the equivalent of all the mitzvahs, that means that whatever all the mitzvahs are, Tzedakah has all of them combined. How? How is tzedakah the equivalent of pidyon haben? How is tzedakah the equivalent of eating kasha? Like, what's what, what's the connection? It's a bunch of different mitzvahs, and this has been adam lachaveri. Some many of the mitzvahs are ben adam lamakim. What does it mean that tzedakah is the equivalent of all the mitzvahs? You want to say it's a very important mitzvah? Fine, I accept that. But what does it mean? Yeah, what does it mean that it's the equivalent of all the mitzvahs? Which makes it sound as if whatever every mitzvah has, tzedakah has that also. It's the equivalent. It's the same thing. And why is tzedakah such a great mitzvah? So you said that tzedakah is easier than all the other mitzvahs. That, that's, a, that's an argument to say it's not shaka uh, kineged kulam. I don't think, but I don't think that tzedakah is easier than all the mitzvahs. I think that tzedakah obviously it depends depends on the person. Yeah. But I think giving tzedakah is probably the hardest of the mitzvahs. If you tight fist it. To go, it's easy for me to shake a lulav. It's easy for me to eat kasher. It's easy for me to well, you know, to put up a mezuzah. To give tzedakah, and I don't just mean to give a nickel, but to give tzedakah the way the Torah says to give tzedakah, the way you're supposed to give tzedakah, is very, is very far from easy. Why is tzedakah the hardest, such a hard mitzvah? Why is it so hard to give tzedakah more so than other mitzvahs? Coming out of your sweat. Because what? It's coming out of your sweat. It's coming out of your sweat. But to put it into different words, you put your entire neshama into that dollar. This dollar isn't a dollar. This dollar represents me waking up at 6 o'clock in the morning and running out of the house and having to go to catch an early minion and then running to work and spending all those hours at work and all the pressure at work and everything uh, and, my, and, my, and, my, and, my, and my deadlines. And the abuse. Too. And uh, again, regardless of the abuse that you get at work and regardless of what kind of work that you do, you put people put their entire being into into their money, into their paycheck. And then when you go and you take that dollar and you give it to tzedakah, you're giving all of that, you're being mila all of that. Or to put it in different words, if the, per- if the function and the purpose of every single one of the mitzvahs is to elevate the nefesh achayunas, is to elevate your nefesh to Hashem, so in every mitzvah, how much of your nefesh goes into mitzvah? Think about it. How much of your nefesh? You ate some, you ate some kasher, you put up a mezuzah, you shook a lulav, you, uh, you davened, you learned a little. 
whatever mitzvah it may be, how much of your neshama went into that mitzvah? Sometimes uh, the hand part of your neshama, the koyach in your hand, sometimes the koyach in your foot, sometimes the koyach in your mouth, sometimes the koyach in your ears, whatever it may be. But tzedakah, when you give tzedakah, you're giving your entire neshama, the whole nefesh achayunis, the entirety of your being that went into making that money, into making that dollar, that entire, that entire nefesh achayunis is elevated to Hashem. So if the purpose of every single mitzvah, as Dr. Rebbe is saying over here, the purpose of every single mitzvah is to elevate one's nefesh abahamis and one's nefesh achayunis to kedusha. There is no mitzvah that gets anywhere near to accomplishing that goal as much as the mitzvah tzedakah. Mitzvah tzedakah elevates the nefesh achayunis much more so than any other mitzvah. And let's do this inside. Because the mitzvah tzedakah is the main, the primary of all the action mitzvahs. And is greater than all of them. All the purpose of all the mitzvahs is what is to elevate the nefesh achayunis tashem because it is the nefesh achayunis that is doing the mitzvah and is invested in the mitzvah and therefore the nefesh achayunis becomes subsumed in the air and sof which is in the mitzvah that you're doing. There is no mitzvah in which so much of your neshama, of your nefesh achayunis, is invested in it, like tzedakah. Because in every single mitzvah, every single mitzvah, when you're doing it, what goes into it? One koyach of your nefesh achayunis. Whichever koyach of your neshama is invested in doing that mitzvah. And also, it's b'shas ma'isa mitzvah levad. It's only while you're doing the mitzvah. The koyach that I'm investing in the mitzvah is elevated. That koyach which I'm exerting while I'm doing the mitzvah. But when a person gives tzedakah, that a person gives. A person gives from the labor of his hands. How do you call koyach nafshiyach the entire koyach, all the, the, the all the energy of the nefesh achiyunis, melubish basias malachta is involved in the work that the person does, or yasek achar any other type of business and ishtaker boy moyis halalu with which the person went and he earned this money. Ukshen neis tamlet stakah when you give it to stakah rekol nashi achiyunis elu lashem your entire nefesh bahamis is elevated to Hashem. So the very reason why giving tzedakah is so difficult is why it's the greatest mitzvah. That's why it's difficult to give away a dollar. <laughs> and you know, we all imagine that if we were rich, we would give a lot of tzedakah. I don't know, maybe someone here is rich. I don't know anyone here at the table. But if uh, those of you who are like me, we all, we all imagine that if I had chves, that if I was a rich person and I made a million dollars, two million, so what do I need so much money for? I'd, be, I'd become a very, very big Baal Tzedakah. There's a saying in Yiddish, Allah or Malat, Zen and Grais, it's Tzedakah guy. I mean, it's because of this uh, truth, psychological. Right? Sure, sure, sure. And people are very good parents until they have children. It's, uh, 
<coughs> what about the easy money? People, people like stock money came easy to them. Made, made a windfall profit in the market or so. So the truth is that the easier a person makes the money, the easier it is to get tzedakah. It, but still, the word, the word easier is, uh, is the operative word over here. You remind me of a, of a joke. The guy goes to the gas station and um, it's uh, $3 a gallon for the gas. So he goes to the guy by the, by the window and says, why is the gas over here $3? Across the street, the gas is two twenty nine a gallon. She says, why did you get the gas over there? He says, because they ran out of gas. So he says, when I run out of gas, I'm $1.99 a gallon. <coughs> yeah, it's easy, it's easy to talk about. But the fact is, when people make money, and suddenly they find it's not so easy to give tzedakah. It's not so easy to give. And therefore, when someone does give tzedakah, even if he's a very wealthy person, deserves a lot, a lot of credit. It's not, uh, we think, hey, what's the big deal? Write out a check. $100,000. You made a million dollars this year. What's 100000 I would, be, I would love to have $900,000. Uh, but this is the point that we're bringing out over here is when you realize that the money you make, you put your neshama into it. That person was a very wealthy person, worked very, very hard to make that money. Again, most people. Today's actually, the, the world is changing a little in that way. But even so, the average person who's a wealthy person worked very hard for that money. When you're giving away the money, you're giving away yourself. You're giving away your work. And it's not easy. It's not easy. But that's why tzedakah is so amazing, because you're giving your entire self, and you're being Maila, your entire self to Kedusha. Now to connect it to this week's Parsha, it's interesting that this week's Parsha, the name of the Parsha is, is Truma. Truma means? Tzedakah. Truma means a donation. And what's very interesting is that the Parsha begins with Right? To speak to the Yidin, V'yichuli Truma. They should give me Tzedakah. What's the Tzedakah for? Parsha didn't, the, the Pasuk didn't even say, he said, then it says, V'yichuli Truma, what, what should they give? They should give Zav, and they should give Kassav, the gold, and the silver, and the copper. And then a few Pesukim later, Sashem says, Oh, V'asuli Mikdash V'shachanti B'soycham. I want you to make for me a Mishkan, and I will dwell amongst you. Now you would think that logically the parsha should begin. The Hashem speaks to Moshe and tells him, mikdash. I want the Yidin to make for me a Besam Mikdash. Now, since I need a Besam Mikdash, how are we going to go about that? So therefore, please give for me, make for me a, a make a fundraising drive, right? And we'll get money. It seems to be backwards. You're asking for the money for the tzedakah before you even before you even said what the purpose of it is. <coughs> But maybe this is uh, based on this Tanya. It's possible that the that 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 the message of this and the fact that the name of the parsha, which is, talks about the, the the creation of the Mishkan, is Teruma, which is Tzedakah, tells us the whole idea of the Mishkan is Taka is to make this Dira Betachtainim, is to elevate everything to Gedusha. So the fact that the Yidden had to give the Teruma, it's not just a Derach Agav thing. By the way, Hashem says, "I want a Mishkan." The fact is, if I want a Mishkan, I'm going to need gold and silver. How am I going to get the gold and silver? Okay, so I'll make a fundraising drive. In which case, it's like a necessary evil. The main thing is the Mishkan. And the Tzedakah is, by the way, because otherwise, without that, we can't have the Mishkan. But based on what we're learning over here in Tanya, we see that, no, the Tzedakah is what creates the Mishkan. How do we elevate this physical world to Hashem? And how do we make a Mishkan? It's through the Tzedakah. It's through the Truma. 
And this, it's a whole new perspective because most people, you turn to them and you ask them, why is Stucker so great as we started off at the beginning of the class? Because we have to help another person. And, and, and there's definitely a truth to that. Though. One of the reasons why Stucker is so important and so great is because it's for helping the other person. But the point Alter Rebbe is saying over here is a different point altogether. It's not about the other person, it's about me. The reason why tzedakah is so great is because it elevates me more so than any other mitzvah. Why? Because the entirety of me is in this dollar which I'm giving to tzedakah. Now, I should point out that there are a lot of mitzvahs that cost money. As I'm sure you all are very aware. So I'm coming up to Pesach, and that's uh, it's what they say, it's not, it's not cheap. And there are many mitzvahs that cost money. We're coming up Purim, you want to buy yourself a nice Megillah, it's going to cost you money. Uh, Purim Suda costs you money. So why is the the same logic should apply? Same logic that if the idea is that you're elevating, that when you take your money, which you put your neshama into, and you use it for Gedusha, you're elevating not only the money, you're elevating everything that went into it, your entire being. Your entire being that went into that into, into into earning that money. So why only tzedakah? Why is only tzedakah the equivalent of all the mitzvahs? But I think the answer is is, is is somewhat obvious. At the end of the day, when you're spending the money on yourself, even if it's for mitzvahs and kedusha, it's not the same degree of bittel of giving it away to Hashem as it is when you actually take the money and you write the check or. Today, if you PayPal or whatever, wherever it is, and you give it to the poor person, or you give it to the, or you give it to the the moisid that needs that needs the money, it's an entirely different level of parting with, parting with the money which you earn, and this is the greatness of the mitzvah of tzedakah. So, at this point, we're pretty we're ready to um, to wrap up to wrap up a good part of what we learned. We started off, and I want to go back. We're right now in Pegrik Lamed Zion. But I want to go back to what we started off in Perik Lamete and show how we wrap it up. We began Perik Lamete with the question, with two questions. Question number one is, the why is it Kikar The why is it that Yiddishkeit is so fixated on and obsessed with Maisa? And in order the mitzvah has to be Dafka Mitzvah Maisa. Why is the Yiddishkeit is such an action? Such an action-oriented religion, as mentioned. You look in the Torah. What is Torah? Do this and don't do that. That was one question we asked. And the next question we asked is, why is it that the neshama has to come down here into Olam Haza? Why does the neshama come down from above? And it enters into the, ne- the guf and the nefesh achiyunas. It has to enter the neshama, which is mamish kedusha. It's in this incredible gallus within the guf, within the nefesh achiyunas. And it never wins the battle. Unless the person becomes a tzaddik, which is not, uh, for, for most people, it's not within our, our ability to become a tzaddik. We, we, can, we, we can overcome. We can overcome the nefesh abhamis. We struggle and we overcome, but we don't completely overcome it. We don't, we, we don't have a victory over it. So what's the point? What's the point of the neshama coming down and struggling for no purpose? Those are the two questions with which we began Perik Lamethe. And by now, we already wrapped up and we know, the, we know the answer to those questions. And that is that Hashem wanted, as we mentioned, once we understand the reason why Hashem created the world, as Dr. Rebbe introduces in Perik Lamed Vav, 
based on the Medrash, that Hashem Hashem wanted to have a dira b'tachtoinim. So therefore, why is it that Maisa is so important? Because Maisa is the lowest. You have the Seichon, you have the Midas, you have the Machshava, you have the Dibor, the very lowest um, lowest faculty that we have is Koyach HaMaisa. It's what we have even in common with, with animals. So Dafki in Maisa, that's where Hashem wants the Dira. Hashem wants to be present in the lowest place, in the Maisa. And the same thing is, why does the Neshama come down over here into the Nefesh HaChayunas? Because the purpose is the Nefesh HaChayunas. That is the purpose. The purpose is, Dr. Rebbe says, we learned last week, Neshama Atzma Einat Shricha Tikkun, the Neshama itself does not need any Tikkun, and the only reason why it comes down into this world is to elevate the Nefesh HaChayunas, but it doesn't elevate the Nefesh HaChayunas by transforming the Nefesh HaChayunas. But every single time it uses the Nefesh HaChayunas to do a mitzvah, it elevates the Koyach of the Nefesh HaChayunas, and when it gives tzedakah, it elevates a great amount of the Koyach of the Nefesh HaChayunas. And this is the purpose of the Neshama coming down here into this world. Oh, and was another few lines over here. Then he says, Vigam, three lines in the bottom. Vigam nena How about someone who uh, has money but didn't work for the money? Easy money. That's your Easy money. What? That's Yerusha. Got a Yerusha. Won the lottery. So maybe for that person giving tzedakah isn't so great. Think about it. If the reason for giving tzedakah is so great is because you're helping the other person, it doesn't make a difference how you got the money. It makes no difference. But the premise of the Alter Rebbe is over here is that the greatness of tzedakah, the reason why it's shkula, connected kol mitzvahs. In other words, the fact that helping someone else is great makes tzedakah a great mitzvah. It doesn't make it shkula, connected kol mitzvahs. It doesn't make it the equivalent of all the mitzvahs. Why is it the equivalent of all the mitzvahs? Because the purpose of every mitzvah is to be mailo, the nefesh achiyunis, and tzedakah does it more than any, any other mitzvah. But if a person made easy money, which, by the way, it's easier for such a person to part with. Uh, I was speaking to someone that today we find philanthropy amongst younger people, younger wealthy people, in in, in a greater degree than we have the, from the wealthy people of the older generation. There's a certain harchava, um, certain uh, expansiveness with giving tzedakah. And uh, I was talking about it with someone, and one of the answers that we thought perhaps the reason is that today, the, many of the people who are wealthy made it easier. You know, the people who 50 years ago, 60 years ago, they made the money, they did it in, a, in the harder way. They, uh, they worked many years for it, and they saved, and they were at work for long hours. And today, many people, they become wealthy because, um, you know, the, the, uh, the right luck, the right place, the right time, with the internet, this kind of business, they got a tip or something of that sort. And it, again, the less neshama that goes into it, it's easier to give it away. But again, so the question we have over here is, what about someone who doesn't, who, who d- didn't earn his money? Says the Alter Rebbe, Mikal Makim still, and here's a very big chiddush. Because this money, regardless of how you earned it, but with this money, what could you have bought with this money? What is the potential? within this money. You could have bought for yourself anything and everything that gives life, that gives you life, and that gives you pleasure, and that gives you enjoyment. So therefore, when you're giving away this money, even if you didn't invest your money, your, your neshama entered while you earned it, it has the potential 
of buying you anything that you want, and therefore, when you give it away, you are, therefore, you are um, giving away mamish your neshama which is interesting, because until now we're talking about we're saying the dollar that you have, what's in this dollar? Actually, in the dollar that you earned, and you get your paycheck, what? Your neshama went into it, right? So when you give away the dollar, you're giving your neshama tashem, your nefeshachayunas. Now we're saying, no, this dollar, it doesn't have your nisham in it because you didn't work hard to earn it, but it has the potential. So therefore, when you give it to tzedakah, you're giving away your potential life. And that also is an incredible big mitzvah, which is a bigger chiddush than, than, the, than the first part, where there it is, in actuality, that's the nisham of here. It's more, it's only the potential. And therefore, Chazal tell us, it says that although we know all mitzvahs are mekar of the gula, but tzedakah specifically is mekar of the gula. Why? With one tzedakah, a person elevates so much. It's impossible to elevate so much koyach of the nefesh achiyunis, and so many aspects of the nefesh achiyunis, to many other mitzvahs maizias. Now this idea of G'dayla Tzedakah Hashem Mekareves Sagula is something that we heard from the Rebbe many, many times, repeatedly. And uh, there's no question that if you want to say that there was one mitzvah which the Rebbe was, by the Rebbe was a Zoyer Tfei, very, the, constantly spoke about it and Zechitan, I mean, and um, encouraged people with Tzedakah. I mean, obviously, starting from the fact that every Sunday the Rebbe would stand and the Rebbe would give out dollars and the purpose of the dollars, the Rebbe was making everyone a Shliach Mitzvah for Tzedakah. But it wasn't only that. It was many times, just after Mincha or after Maidu, the Rebbe would um, <coughs> would speak, and then every time the Rebbe would speak, the Rebbe would give out um, dollars. Or sometimes Tam the Rebbe would give out dollars for tzedakah. Every time giving out dollars was to give it to tzedakah, encouraging people to give it tzedakah. After every fabring, the Rebbe would give out uh, the dollars to everyone. And then every time the Rebbe came into davening, every time the Rebbe came to davening, or when the Rebbe went to his car because the Rebbe was going to the mikvah or to the oil, the Rebbe was busy giving out the coins to the children to give to tzedakah. It was literally, tzedakah was something which is very, very high in the priority list. The Rebbe was trying to give us a message, the importance of tzedakah. And then, <coughs> the Rebbe also spoke about every child having a tzedakah pushka in their bedroom. Every child. To be mechanic children in the midst of tzedakah. And the Rebbe says every house has to have a tzedakah pushka. Then the Rebbe went further. The Rebbe said, it's not enough that a house has a tzedakah pushka. But the tzedakah pushka has to be nailed into the wall. The Rebbe insisted. It's a strange thing. It's not enough that you have a tzedakah pushka, but it has to be, at, uh, the Rebbe didn't say the word nailed, but it has to be um, affixed, affixed to your house. And the Rebbe explained, because it's not enough to have a tzedakah pushka in your house, your house has to be a tzedakah pushka. It has to be part of the structure of your home. Tzedakah has to be part of the structure of your home. And many times people would go by the Rebbe, and the Rebbe would say, um, uh, ask for brother to make sure not only to give tzedakah. Do you have a tzedakah pushka in your house? Do you have a tzedakah pushka in your place of work? Um, they have a, a person went by uh, with a medical issue. Is there a tzedakah pushka in the hospital room where you are? Very the Rebbe tzedakah was a very big thing. As, you, as I don't know if anyone here ever was by a Ram Fried co concert, but every single concert in the middle of the concert, he pulls out a tzedakah pushka and he puts a dollar into it, and that's because the Rebbe told him to do that. The Rebbe said that you, every time by a concert. You should give tzedakah by the concert, so everyone should see that you're giving tzedakah, and that should be a um, a hiral rabim. <coughs> it should be um, a dogma, an example. Um, 
back in the 80s, my father went by, um, went by the Rebbe by dollars, and my father is a Rav in, in Michigan, so he went along together with the president of the shul, and he introduced the president of the shul, and sure enough, what did the Rebbe ask him? Is there a tzedakah pushka attached to the wall of the shul? There wasn't. The Rebbe said, here's a dollar, and I want you to put it into the tzedakah pushka, which you're going to attach to the wall of the shul. And they went back, and they, right away they attached the tzedakah pushka, you know, they got one of those fancy pushkas which you attach to the wall, and that shows that the tzedakah is kavua. It's not just that it happens to be that there's a house. and It happens to be there's a tzedakah pushka, but it's kavua. And the Rebbe, on many occasions, the Rebbe mentioned that the, this idea, this kach in tzedakah, is because of gedolah tzedakah, shemekarevis is a gula. The tzedakah has this gula more than any other mitzvah to bring the gula. And why is it that tzedakah has this gula to bring the gula? That's something which we just learned about in Tanya just now. Mm. Now, we're talking here about um, the idea of Dir B'Tachtoinim. That's the topic of the last Yuprakim. And the last Perik, in Perik Lamed Vav, the Altrebbe mentioned that what we're looking for really is a recreation of what happened by Matan Torah. By Matan Torah, we had Atta Haris Aladas Ki Hashem Hu Olakim Enid Malvadeh. By Matan Torah, we said that Hashem revealed Himself and He Vayered Hashem Al Harsinai. Hashem comes down in Harsinai. And what we had was Adira B'Tachtoinim. Hashem came down here into this world. He was here. He was present. It didn't last long. It didn't last long, right? It didn't last. This is the parshis that we're learning right now. It didn't last long because then the Yidin didn't come from the Yidin. Because the, there was the Chet Egel, and because of the Chet Egel, so we chased Hashem away, Kaviyachol, and then Hashem said that. Um, so I, I need not, now. You need to make a mishkan. We need to start again from scratch. So this week's parsha, which even though the Egel is in Kisisa, but if you're according to Peter Shashi, and there are different opinions, but according to Peter Shashi, this week's parsha Truma is after the Chet Egel. Happened after the Chata Egel because Ein Muktam Mumochar Batayra, and the purpose was because we were, we are trying to recreate what happened by Har Sinai. The Sfarne, I don't know if I ever mentioned this. The Sfarne actually says that right after Matan Torah, so Hashem tells the Yidden that uh, the whole thing about Mizbachadama Tassoli, if you make for me, you can make for me a Mizbeach, and Bechal Makay Masher Askir Eshmi Avi Elacha Veirachticha. Wherever, wherever you want, make a make a Mizbeach. I'll come and I'm going to bench you there. And the Sfarni says that after the, after the Matan Torah, the Yidin didn't need a Mishkan because the Shechina was everywhere. So wherever they wanted, they could have made a Mizbeach. And then because they went, they did the Aveira, the Chate Ego. So now, it was only right. And what are, we, what are we building towards? We're building towards the time when Mashiach comes. And once again, the whole world will be, will be a place where, uh, which is a machin for Hashem. A place which is um, a dwelling place for Hashem. Why didn't Matan Torah last? As you know that 40 days later there was Davera. Why didn't Matan Torah last? So we explained, right, that it was imposed upon them. That it was imposed upon them. The gilu wasn't something which they earned. It didn't come that the zichuch. It wasn't that the, the the refinement didn't come from below. The refinement came from above, and that's why it didn't last. That's what we learned in Peter Klamet Vav. And when Mashiach comes, because the refinement will be coming from below through our avoda, throughout the galus, throughout thousands, the thousands of years of galus, our avoda and Torah mitzvahs and elevating our nefesh Therefore, it'll be lasting and it'll be permanent. So what I would like to do now is um, connect this idea. We're standing here on Rishchidosh uh, Adar. We're two, months, uh, two weeks away, literally, from Purim. I want to talk a little about Purim because this is very related to Purim. I believe that we spoke about this once. Um, 
in the past years, I'll put it, but uh, it's mamish related to the Tanya, so I want to go over the ideas again. We know that it says that it says in the Megillah that Kimu Vikibulu Hayyudim. And the Gemara says on this that Kimu Masha Kiblu Kvar. Which means that the Kabbalah, the Gemara, the Kabbalah, the Yidmur Makabal, the Torah, it wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't a complete Kabbalah. It was deficient. And there was a Maidah Rabbalah Raisa. That's what the Gemara says, which means that the Eden were able to come to Hashem afterwards and say, I know we accepted the Torah, but because because Hashem held Harsinai over our heads and Kaviyachal, He forced us to accept the Torah, so therefore, since we were forced to accept the Torah, that casts in doubt the validity of the whole Kabbalah. We could tell the Eberster, we didn't really want to accept the Torah. But then, when the story of Purim happened, so then Kimu Vikibla Yehudim, then the Yidn were Mekabal. Yidn were Mekabal the Torah, and retroactively now we know that the Kabbalah Satayra was a complete Kabbalah Satayra. So what is it? Maimir from the Alter Rebbe in Lakuti Torah, in Torah Eir, the Alter Rebbe talks about this and tries to figure out what does this mean that the Kabbalah by Mount Torah wasn't complete? What's this whole business about Kafalim Harkagigis? What's this whole business of Hashem holding a mountain over their head? The Yidin said Nasev and Ishma. They said Nasev and Ishma. They accepted. And the next day Hashem says, either you accept or I'm going to kill you. What do you mean? We accepted. We accepted. Imagine a Hassan proposes to the Kabbalah. She says, I accept. And then he pulls out a gun and says, you don't accept, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I, what do you mean? I said I accept. Now I don't accept anymore. But uh, I said I accept. So what, what's this whole idea of Kafalei Makagigis Bechal in the first place? And what was the Milo in the Kabbalah? In the Kabbalah, the Yidnur Mekabal, the Torah, by times of Purim. So Altareb explains that in Kabbalah, the word Har is an allegory. The word a mountain is an allegory for Chesed and Ahava. Avram is called a Har, because Avram's Indian was Chesed. Avram said he was Chesed. Avram was a Har, Yitzhak was a Sada, Yaakov was a Bayez. So a Har, why is Avram called a Har? Because Avram's Indian was Ava and Chesed. L'cha Hashem HaGedullah. Gedullah is Hashem's Chesed. Look in the Rashi, beginning of Eschanan. Gedullah is Chesed. So a Har, which is tall, is the idea of Chesed. So when we say Kafa Leim Har Kegigis, when Hashem holds the mountain over the Yidin like a, like a barrel, what does that mean? That means that Hashem held His Ava for us. Over our head, not the Yira, his Ava, his Ava, his love. He showered us in love. So that should be interpreted literally or just uh, metaphorically? Love Dafkar has to be um, uh, literal. When you read the Torah, is that according to the, this shot? When you read what? It was literally that it was it loved after every medrash has to be accepted literally. It, it's, that's a topic which is beyond the scope of today's discussion. There's, there's a lot of different guidelines. The Maral talks about it. The Rajba talks about it. But uh, even if it did happen literally, which other yadunisht, whatever, whenever something happens physically, that's only a reflection of a spiritual reality that's happening. The main thing, anyways, is the ruchnistic thing. Even if it happened physically, so it's kind of irrelevant. Well, physically, it was there was. 
it's hard to see there was any conflict. You're under under duress, fear. No, they definitely, the Yidin were on the Madrega, they definitely no, didn't that, feel fear. What? They, did, they didn't feel fear. Even if it happened physically, they just felt Hashem's love. Let's, 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 move, let's, move, let's move on, though. This is a detail. So Hashem showered the Yidin for, with his love. He was megala to the Yidin, his tremendous love for them. You know, Hashem's love for us is bleakful. And we were exposed, he exposed us to that love. And what's our reaction when we're exposed to that love? Of course we accepted the Torah. Of course we, I mean, even on a very simple sense, he showered us with his love, he took us out of Mitzrayim, and he destroyed the Mitzrayim, and he gave us the man, and he gave us everything, right? But also, he it, we, we experienced, we felt the awesome, tremendous power of Hashem's love. You know, if we say, right? it's a natural thing, that when you feel someone that, um, that hearts mirror each other, and we said, when we felt that love of Hashem, we, of course, we accepted the Torah. But this is a problem. Why? Because in later years, we can come to Hashem and say, why did we accept the Torah? It was conditional. We accepted it because you revealed your love to us. Now you don't. But the moment you take away that love, the deal's off. The deal's broken. We accepted it. It was, uh, con- it was conditional. It was for a reason. There's a reason why. And that's a good time. That's a good time. Until, until it came along with time of Purim. What happened time of Purim? Time of Purim, there was no love. The love was gone. When we say the love is gone, we mean, obviously, Begilu, Hashem always loves us. We're talking about any uh, manifestation of that love was gone. We were in Golos. For the first time as a nation, we were in Golos. Ever since Matan Torah, first time since Matan Torah. And a terrible Gaulus. Bismikdash was destroyed. And then there's this Gzeirah to destroy all the Yidin. So forget about not being any love revealed. Was, if anything, it's the opposite over here. And what happens? What happens? The Yidin, how did they react? They reacted by davening and learning and redoubling and re-intensifying their commitment to Hashem. And that makes no sense. That makes no sense. If the reason why we accepted the Eberster, if the reason why we accepted the Torah is only because of the tremendous love or because you might want to say because of the perks. At that time we were getting a lot of perks from Hashem. So then it makes no sense that uh, a thousand years later, by the time of Purim, that we should have accepted the Torah once again. And we should still have continued to embrace Hashem. We should have abandoned Hashem at that time. We should have abandoned the Torah. But as Alter Rebbe said, not one, not one Yid did that. Not one Yid even considered abandoning Yiddishkeit, abandoning Hashem. And that's the Kibu Masha, Kibu That was the ultimate Kabbalah. And this is Mamish, the Nakud that Alter Rebbe is talking about here in the Perik. Which is... The Kabbalah that there was in the times of in times of in times of Matan Torah, that Kabbalah was deficient. Why? Because it was imposed from above. In which way was it imposed from above? The Kafalim Harkigigis. And anything which is imposed from above is not something which is lasting. And that's why what? 
That's called Mamayla Lamata, right. And what we're looking for is Mamata Lamayla. So therefore, Purim, Purim is the ultimate yamtiv. More than, more, more than, uh, more than, uh, than Shavuos. And that's why it says that uh, right? that all the, all the Miyadim will be battle except for Purim. Why? Because Purim is a Mashiach Dike Yamtiv. Because what is Mashiach? What did we learn? Mashiach is when we make a dira for Hashem, but one that's not imposed from above. The problem was that originally when Hashem was here by Har Sinai, that was Vayir, that Hashem al Har Sinai, He came down, which is very nice, but that's not what Hashem wanted. Hashem wanted it to be entirely through our Aveda. Where was it through our Aveda? That was Dafkem by Purim. Al-Tarab explains a lot of things based on this, um, this Yisoyed. But amongst them also, just one, one interesting idea. You know, if we talk about Dira B'Tachtoinim, Purim is the most Tachtoin Yomtev that there is. Think into it. We work. It's a work day. Whether we actually work or not, but Malacha is not Aser. Even though the Gemara says that there was a Havamina and Bardachai wanted to make it a Yamtiv, but it wasn't a Skabal. It's not, it's not a Yamtiv. It's not Asr Bimalacha. And moreover, the celebration of Purim, unlike Hanukkah, for example, Hanukkah, how do we celebrate? It's Halal Vahidaya. Hanukkah is a very spiritual Yamtiv. There, no, there is no mitzvah really to eat. And I know we eat latkes on, on Hanukkah. It's a Shailah whether there's any gather mitzvah to that. <laughs> Because the Iker, the Iker Hanukkah is Halavaydaya. Even though the Rambam mentions that also up is Mishta but that's not the Iker Yamtev. It's a Ruchnistiki Yamtev. The Bach talks about it. The Bach talks about how the difference between Hanukkah and Purim. The Hanukkah is a Ruchnistiki Yamtev. And Purim is a Gash Mishta Yamtev. What's Purim? Mishta Vesimcha. We're eating, we're drinking. There is no halal even on Purim. We don't say halal on Purim. And what are the mitzvahs that are connected to Purim? Shalach manas, matanas food and money. It's a very physical, it's a very, very unspiritual yamtiv. Very unspiritual yamtiv. And what's amazing is that we say that this yamtiv, Purim, is the greatest of all yamtiv. And the Mashiach comes when all the other yamtiv will be battle. It's the greatest of all yamtiv. And that's why when Mashiach comes, we won't be battle. And as you said, the Simcha of Purim is greater than the Simcha of any other Purim, any other Yamtiv. There is no other Yamtiv with the Zachiv of Simcha, Adli Yada, which whatever, without going into what Adli Yada is, it's, it's a Simcha which is greater than the Simcha that there is for any other Yamtiv. But this is all again, once we understand that the idea of Purim, Purim is the ultimate Dira B'Tachtoinim uh, Yamtiv, based on, like, as we're explaining here in Tanya. Dira B'Tachtoinim means. And you're eating, and then you're drinking. Normally, Shabbos and Yom Tev is a departure, is a departure from our daily life. In Kabbalah, it talks about how Shabbos is aliyah so'ilimus. Shabbos, we move higher. Shabbos is, we're not, we're not involved in the, in the work. We're not involved in the malachas. We're not involved in the world. You know, the, 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 the 39 malachas with which we created the Mishkan. So for 39, 39, you know, 39 malachas, that's how we're busy, we're dealing with the world, and we're elevating the world, and making it to a mishkan on Shabbos. We have nothing to do with the world. We're not even making a mishkan for Hashem on Shabbos. On Shabbos, we are moving ourselves a little higher, and we're connecting to Hashem on a spiritual level. And that's nice. 
But the purpose of Shabbos, the whole purpose of Shabbos is not to stay Shabbos. The purpose of Shabbos is to give us chayis for the whole week, for the real work that has to be done. The real work is in the six days of the, of the week when we have to deal with the world and we have to make the world into Dira B'Tachtoinim. And Purim is the ultimate Yom Tev. Purim is the ultimate Simcha, not by leaving the world, not by departing, but by being in the world. And we can have a Simcha and serving the Eibishter through the eating and through the drinking and through the Shalach Manas and Matanus Levienim, etc. <coughs> This is the Maimer from the Alter Rebbe and the Maimer Dibra Maschal Chayv Inish Lubsume in Teirair. The Rebbe took this a step further. In a Maimer Va'ata Tetzava, it's actually the last Maimer which the Rebbe gave out to everyone. So the Rebbe points out like this Va'ata Tetzava is next week's Parsha. And next week's parsha begins with the pasuk Va'ata Tesavas Bnei Yisrael V'yikroi Lecha Shemen Zai Zach Kosis Lamoir. So Kosis Lamoir, Fidik Rebbe says this. Kosis means crushed, and Lamoir means illumination, but not even illumination. Oyer is, is illumination. Moir means the source of illumination. Moir is where the light comes from. There's Oyer and there's Moir. When Kasis, when you crush, you reach the level of the Moir. And that is the idea of that when you crush a Yid, what happens? What is revealed when you crush a Yid? The Neshama comes out. And not only the Oyer of the Neshama, but the Mo'ir of the Neshama. The Mo'ir of the Neshama is the very essence of the Neshama, the source of the light of the Neshama, which is a historical fact, and starting with the story of Purim, that when you crush a Yid, when you put Gezeris on a Yid, and when you make it for a Yid difficult, when you make for a Yid difficult uh, 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 to, to be a Yid, and to learn Torah and do mitzvahs, what do you do? You evoke by the Yid the Mo'ir, you bring about the Neshama. This is a historical reality. The more you crush a yid, the more neshama you reveal. And then, and what happens when you don't crush a yid? Take a look uh, around the world today. You see what happens when a yid isn't crushed. In fact, as we know, what? The, we know that when there was the, the war in, in the war in 1812 between Napoleon and the Tsar, so the Gedele Yisrael were divided, but who should win? And the Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya, wanted the Tsar should win. And he wrote, he said, that if the Napoleon wins, it's going to be very good for the Yid and Begashmias, but Beruchnias, they're all going to have a Nefila. And if the Tsar wins, it's going to be bad for the Yid and Begashmias. Materially, it's going to be bad for them, but spiritually, that's the best thing for them. And therefore, he wanted that the Tsar should win. And he didn't just want, he actually sent his, some chassidim as spies for the Tsar. And uh, he did a lot. The Alter Rebbe earned a, a, a very big uh, distinction. He had the title of uh, a distinguished citizen for all generations, which all the Lubavitcher Rebbes had until 1917, until the Bolshevik Revolution, because of he really stood up for the Tsar at the time. From the Tsar? Yeah. yeah. And it was passed down through all. In other words, any of the descendants of the Alter Rebbe had the status and because of the Alter Rebbe's support of the Tsar in that war against Napoleon. Which again, it divided the Gedele Yisrael. There was no unanimity. 
about that. And this is the idea of kasis lamayr. When you crush a yid, comes out the mysterious nevish. And therefore, to a certain extent, it's not surprising what happened by the story of Purim. It's not surprising that when a yid, when you, when a yid are crushed, when the Haman comes along, the yid aren't going to abandon Hashem. To the contrary, they circle the wagons, and that's when the neshama comes out in its full force, and that's when we accept Hashem and we embrace Hashem. Also in Russia, you know, it's, it's hard to compare it to, to, to the Holocaust because in the Holocaust, there wasn't really gezeras against Torah and mitzvahs. Not so much. It was especially gezeras against the, the bodies, the bodies of the Yidin. In Russia, when there was talking the gezeras against Torah and mitzvahs, it could be a Yid, no problem, but Torah and mitzvahs. And uh, what? There's no question they all died in Kiddush Hashem. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying is... The last minute they were singing on Imam. That's correct. That also, but it's a different style. It's a different style. They're definitely, we're not, it's not about minimizing anything. We're talking about, obviously, Kiddush with the Hiram. But the Gzairis there were not against Torah Mitzvah so much. And Russia was against Torah Mitzvah. And there, there was an incredible mysterious nefesh on the part of many. And the Rebbe notes that many of these people who, when they were in Russia, they were, had incredible mysterious nefesh for Torah Mitzvah and opening cheders and yeshivas and everything. And then they came to America. And that was it. Job done. Job done. They still daven three times a day, and they put on film, and they were from, and everything. But in 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 Russia, they were stars. In Russia, they were pashat bali mesiras nefesh, giving everything. And they came to America. Suddenly, they're just average, nothing. And the Rebbe explains the why is that. This is the phenomenon of kasis lamoyer. Kasis lamoyer means that when you're pressed. Your neshama comes out. The essence of your neshama comes out. So the Rebbe says something very interesting. As it turns out, there is actually a common denominator between Matan Torah and Purim. Even though the Alter Rebbe differentiates and says, by Matan Torah, the Eden accepted, it was imposed upon them. And by Purim, it wasn't imposed upon them. But to a certain extent, even by Purim also was imposed upon them. The difference was, by Matan Torah, it was positive pressure. And by Purim, it was negative pressure. By Matan Torah, it was the love that was revealed from Hashem. And on Purim, what happened was the Gzeir of Haban caused the Kasis Lamar. So to a certain extent, even that Mesiras Nefesh on Purim was also, was also imposed. There is a difference. Still is a difference. Because when I'm doing something because... I'm, because I'm, I'm, uh, the perks are what, the, so then, is that really, really what I want? By Mount we didn't know if that's what really, really what the Yidin wanted. Maybe they were just uh, impressed by Hashem's love and by the Nisim. By Purim, it was an expression of their essential self. So you can't compare. Purim was much greater than Mount Mount we don't know what the essential self of the Yidin wanted. Maybe they didn't want Teira, they were only there for the goodies. Purim, the mysterious nefesh of the Eden expressed their essential self. But what caused that essential self to be revealed was the kasis, was the crushing which came about through Haman and through the Xeris. So if we're going with the theory, as we're talking in Tanya, that the ultimate dira betachtoinim can't be imposed at all, so the ultimate dira betachtoinim is not from Matan Torah, and is even not from Purim. What's the ultimate dira betachtoinim? United States 2017. Or 2018. 2018. Tavshin Nainchas. When you have full freedom. 
Because we are in the unique situation. The Rebbe compares it to after the Ness happened by Purim. When Akati Avdi Achashverosh Anan, the Eden were still in Galos. So there was no Gilead still. But there also wasn't any, any, any negative pressure. We live in the unique situation. There is no positive, situa- there is no positive pressure. There is no Gilead Lekus. We don't experience the love of Hashem like it was by Matan Torah. We don't even experience the Gilead like there was in the Beis Hamikdash or by the Nevi'im. We don't have that positive pressure pushing us to Yiddishkeit. And we also don't have the negative. We don't have the Kassas Lamoyer. Squeezed. Yeah. Squeezed. Yeah. We're not squeezed. We're not squeezed. So what's the job now? The Rebbe says we have to cuss ourselves. How do you do that? We have to squeeze ourselves and reveal our own moir yeah. on the shama. And that's the that's final frontier. You know, the whole, the whole trajectory of Yiddishkeit started off with a thousand years, you know, kicked off a mantra, a thousand years of Giliolokos. And Hashem pushing us to do mitzvahs, and we had the Nevi'im, and you had the Nisim, and you had the miracles, and Everything was, 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 was going good and well. Okay, that crashed. The next, the next uh, 2,500 years or so was characterized or was by the opposite, which is higher. Purim is higher than Mount because now we're revealing the etzam of a Jew, the essence of a Yid, because when you, when you crush something, you reveal its essence. When you crush a Yid, you reveal its essence. But still, the ultimate is to bring Mashiach we can't have the essence revealed by the crushing. Why? Because that means that it's still not my natural state. And the ultimate dira b'tachtoinim is when we elevate ourselves and the world around us, but not due to any imposition, not positive or negative. And that's the dafka today. That's dafka today. What's the motivation if you, have, if you don't have... No external uh, pressure, whether positive or negative. Sarah so so points out if you look in the Pasuk, the, what's the next Pasuk? Right? Yarach Oisai. Anyone have a Chumash over here? Second Pasuk of Parshat Tzava. That's a true mark that's all. Oh, that's in the. Yeah, he's looking at the end. Right. Okay, so the oil made. So it says the Me'erevad Baker, that it lasts. The oil lasts. From the from the night until the morning, but then also it says over there. Thank you. But sorry, the first pasuk it adds off lahalos neir tamid. It's a, a candle that burns constantly, and then it says that you it's set up on the oil ma'id me'erevat biker. So is it constant? Is it neir tamid or is it me'erevat biker? Is it by night? So the Rebbe explains, it depends what you're talking about. There's one kind of kasis which only lasts at night. At night, in a terrible time, in time of Gullus, in time of uh, Haman, times of Stalin, in times of uh, what? 
That's by night. By night. And, 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 and when the day comes, that's it. The Meyer is gone. When you move to America, and everything is gone. And then there's Ner Tamid. The Ner Tamid is a light that doesn't go away. And that's when you, that's when you squeeze yourself. When you squeeze yourself. That you're in America, and everything is good. And you have good Begashmis, and you have good Baruchnis. And we're such a unique time. Such a unique time. That um, you want to be a Yid? Great, everyone loves you. You want to be, you don't, you don't want to be, you want to be Fnaim? Great, everyone loves you. Do what you want. Everything. We live in a Malchus Shal Chesed. We've never had a time like this. You want to be a Yid? We respect you. You, want to, you don't want to be a Yid? We respect. Whatever your choice is, we respect. Today we're into choice. Whatever your choice is, it doesn't make a difference. And um, so the only thing that's motivating a Yid is oneself, is reaching deep into oneself and committing to Hashem and connecting to Hashem and that is the ultimate message of Purim is this connection to Hashem, the Nair Tamid connection to Hashem which followed the Nes Purim which followed the Nes Purim that even that um, regardless of what Ayid is connected to Hashem and not only essentially connected through the Etzim HaNeshama but in Ayid's daily life in daily life, in the Machshava, in Dibur Amaisa, because a person becomes a Nair Tamid, and that makes us a Dibur B'Tachtoinim, and ready for Mashiach, because it's something which is not imposed from above, it's completely our Aveda. <laughs>